This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Chabura Wednesday night. Parshas Tazria Umitzayre. Tuesday night, I'm sorry. Parshas Tazria Umitzayre. I want to go back to something I said last week. Last week we asked a question in Parshas that when it talks about the non-kosher animals, it says first they're kosher simen. Right? It says, Also, this you shouldn't eat. From one who chooses, He says, The camel. It chooses cod. But it's hooves are not split all the way through. So we ask, Why do you tell me it's kosher sign first? If you want to tell me it's not kosher, you should just say, The shafan Again, it's kosher sign first. Aneves, kimalas geruhu. Also, it's kosher sign first. The chazir, kimafes pasuhu. It has split hooves. So why are you saying the kosher simon first, right? So we said that when the kosher simon's first, when it looks kosher, it's much more treif than the one that looks treif. Right? That's what we said. Someone came up to me and said, No, Rebbe, I heard shot the opposite. The Torah wants to tell us that even though it's treif, it has a kosher simon. The other way around. That, that when you look at someone who's being mechal Shabbos, he's doing something wrong, you should know that even though that looks like it makes him an unkosher simon, he's mechal Shabbos, eating treif, he's not, the girl's not dressed, she's not dressed, she's not dressed sneer stick, right? She's not dressed correctly. You should know that there's a kosher simon too. That there's a neshama and there's a, there's a good part of her and there's a kosher part of her. So it's, it's learning schus the other way around. Not it's learning genai, but it's learning schus. It's learning that even though there's something trait about it, that's the second part. That she doesn't keep Shabbos. But the first part you should know, Rabbi, is that there's something kosher about her. Rabbi Greenwald, all of um, Ronnie Greenwald was always, he was always, his godless, uh, uh, he was my dean at my school, his, God, his greatness was that he always saw not what the person's doing now, right? She's Mechal Shabbos, she's not dressed the way she should, but he always saw that this is her now, but in five years from now, she's going to be very different. She's going to be a mother, she's going to be a grandmother, so he used to say, don't put on the glasses and see what the person is right now, you have to, you have to see their, their kosher simon. So, so someone came with her, I said 100%, that's a beautiful shot, and that's why the Torah tells us that even though it's treif, well, you should know that there's a kosher simon to it also. It was a, it was a praise, not a, uh, not a g'nai. Okay. This week's parsha, parshas. Isha kisazria v'yolda zochar. Right? So don't you think that should be before the parsha of animals? The parsha of, of, of tazria is about a woman giving birth and having children, the human race. Population, right? Shouldn't that come before Pasha Shemitah that talks about kosher and non-kosher animals? Why, does, why doesn't Tazriya come before uh, Pasha Shemitah? First let's talk about the humans, then let's talk about the animals. The answer is that Hashem created the animals before the people. Why? Why? So one shot is that when Hashem created us, He wanted everything to be in the world for us already. Plants, trees, what? Could have created us first, then, then the sun, then the moon, then the rain, then the water, then the flood, right? 
So that's one answer. He was like, he, like full service. Right? You're going to create it, everything's going to be there. But another answer is that Hashem was worried that the human being is going to say he created everything. So we created him on the first day. He was like, I created the Shemayim. I created the Aretz. I created the animals, right? So the animals come first so that we shouldn't be able to say we were first and we created the animals. Okay? Okay. So this week's passage, the Ishiki says, Ria, if a woman becomes pregnant, right? Beyond the she has a baby boy or she has a baby girl. She brings two carbonos because maybe when she was going through labor, she said, I hate my husband that he got me into this. And she needs a kapara on that. Or maybe she said, I don't want to ever have another child. She needs a kapara on that. All right. Now, it's interesting that it's brought down from the Rambam ah, like this. Devarim nifloim oid, wondrous things. Matsinu Rambam, we find in the Rambam. Besifroi Murnavuchim. Shemavayab Derech Marshall, he's talking philosophy, the Rambam is talking about philosophy. And he talks in Derech Marshall, it's Aitim Hanesha Ladis Adam, the unbelievable miracle of the birth. Of a human child. Shemelamed al Yusaydis Imuna. This is one of the Yusaydis of belief. And he says the following. Mashal Mahadal Daiva. What kind of parable would this be? Lutinaik Shinailad Al Ibaidaid Hamurachaik Mimakam Yashav. A child lived in a town. And he was born, and immediately after he was born, says the Rambam, his mother died. And the father brought him up. The mother died, so the father had to bring him up. But in that place that he lived, there were no women, there was no females. Okay, so this boy was born. His father brought him up. He never saw a woman in his life. It was a, it was a, it was a village of just men. And this little boy became a, one day, became a big man, became a man. So this boy, who didn't have a mother, asked the people, Shigarusham, that lived there, does anyone here in this place know how we were created, how we get here? How did we get here? Okay, he never saw a woman. So he asked the people there, how did we get here? So one of the people that was living there said, you do it, Teda. Don't you know? Because we were all, once upon a time, little children. And we were born in the womb, from the womb of a woman. She's the female part of the human being. She looks a little like us. When we were in her womb, in the beginning, you were born like this. You were born a teeny little thing. And we grew. Until the woman's womb opened in the body of the woman. And we were born, we came out of this womb, and we came into the world. I have to remember, this guy never saw a womb, never saw a woman. 
Wow. What are you talking about? I can't believe that. It was something that he couldn't understand. He said, okay, now you need to tell me a little bit more about this. How we came about. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So he said, If you're telling me this was a, the stomach, a womb of a woman, and it's very small, so how did I eat and how did I drink? Alright, like fork, knife, spoon, plate, dishes, big piece of barbecue chicken, like how does that fit into someone's stomach? No, you don't understand when you're in your mother's womb, you don't need to drink and you don't need to eat and you know what else? You don't need to breathe. That the nature is that in the woman's womb you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need food. Like we eat food, you don't need water like we drink water and you don't need air. God says, no, I, don't, I, I, I can't accept that. What are you talking about? He was like wondering. How could it be like this? I feel his mind cuts it. If you don't breathe for a couple of seconds, not much you die. So what are you telling me? Stupidity that I was in my mother's womb and I, I didn't breathe. Impossible. How do you live without being breathing? How could it be that we were all in, once upon a time, in a little closed, what do you call it, pocket? We call it stuttering. It was closed from all sides. And we were stuck in there for many months, nine months without air. You can't, you can't live nine seconds without air. Well, what are you talking about? Okay? He said, let me, he said, I don't understand, but also, how did you get in there? He said, if you swallow a bird or any animal, by the time it gets to your stomach, it's dead. So how, 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 how did I get into my mother's stomach? If you remember, he never saw a woman. How, he doesn't understand reproduction. If you don't eat and drink for a while, what about going to the bathroom? If you can't go to the bathroom for a couple of days, you're going to die in a lot of pain. How could you, you want me to believe that we were many months in the, this is a Rambam, that many months we were stuck in my mother's uh, stomach, without food and eat, without, without being able to breathe, without going to the bathroom? Without opening your eyes, without opening your hands, and and we came out perfectly healthy. The maskana of this person who was living on this island with only men, it's impossible for this to be true. Not be true. You tell me we didn't eat, we didn't drink, we didn't breathe, we didn't go to the bathroom. You're making up stories. I need to know how I got here. Tell me the truth. So why is the Rambam telling us this story? The Rambam is answering all the atheists and all the philosophers because we believe from how the world came to being that Hashem created in six days. I will come my rest. Arista, 
Aristotle came with Tarosh Shifi Derechatev Not, he said, his philosophy is impossible. Evolution. I'm like the little boy who grew up in the island and he didn't understand. It's impossible, right? Because he didn't understand what a woman was. He didn't understand how it's possible. Says the Rambam. Just like that little boy couldn't understand it, we can understand God. We don't understand how it's possible. And that's why they have to come up with all these crazy stories about monkeys and becoming people because they don't realize that, that, that just like that boy can't understand how a woman, how you can be in a woman's womb and, and live, we don't understand how. And it's humid and it's hot in there and you can't breathe. And so we have to understand, she ain't one shim again. There are things in this world that we do not understand as those. Uber calls those, but we know, Emma's Lamita, that it's true. Just like that little boy who did not understand what it means. He said, that's the understanding of Imuna and the Bria Sa'ilam, that we were cobbled from our forefathers. That's what the Rabbi was telling us. So on that line of thought, there is a Sefer. Oh, what's the name of the Sefer? I see a picture of the Sefer that you're supposed to learn after someone dies. Oh, come on. It'll come to me. Anyway, there's a certain safer that you're supposed to learn after someone dies. It's very hard to accept death. And this safer, oh, Gesha HaChaim. Thank you. It's called the Gesha HaChaim. You can buy it in a farm store. It's written in Hebrew. It's also translated into English. It's a very fascinating safer. You should never have to learn it because it's really only after someone passes away. But it helps a lot with the pain um, of the person passing away. And he says an unbelievable story that's very, very connected to this story. And he says a story about twins. And they're... I love this story, because it's like, if you have a good imagination, you can imagine it. These twins. And they were in their mother's stomach, mother's womb. And they're having a machloikas. Ruben and Shimon, these two uh, twins. Having a machloikas. About what life's all about. They're machloikas. One says, you have to remember, they were never out of that womb, right? One says, life is, it's beautiful, I'm going to make it short because it's very long. It's like 10 pages long. But he says the following. One says, listen, this is our life, right? And we live in this black hole, dark black hole, squashed together with our elbows up in our noses, our knees up in our throat, Right, folded up in a fetal position, two of them, and this is. And I heard you have to hear this story. It's an amazing story. And I heard that after nine months, you die. All of a sudden, like the end of life, like we learn, right? The Machamavas comes and he squashes you. And it's so painful. And he pushes you out of this world that we're in. And you drop out, and you're dead. 
It's over. Life is over. Zehu. Other one says, I heard different. I heard that this is not the world. This is nothing. This is the hall for the world. Remind you of a little mission in Pekiavos, right? This is the hall in front of the real world. And in nine months, you get pushed out into real life. The other guy says, I don't know who told you this fairy tale. Masters. He says, no, you come out into the other world and you can see things. You see colors. Colors? What colors? We live in a black hole over here. There's no colors? You're talking about colors. I'm telling you, colors. Shapes, sizes. You're nuts, you're crazy. What rabbis told you about this? He said, wait, let me tell you more. So when you come out, you can smell things. Spices, aromas. Smell things? They're in a hot, stinky, humid room. Can you imagine what it smells like in there? Right? It ain't pretty. He's like, why are you making up all these crazy stories? This is, this is a Gesha Chaim. Are you crazy? Smell things? Who's selling you this stuff? That's nothing. That's nothing. He says, you can talk. You could talk. You could say words. You could say sentences. You could scream. You could laugh. You could cry. Let's read them as Shigana. Right, because I don't, I don't know how they're talking in there, but they're not really talking. And he's like, are you crazy? You can't talk. What talk? What are you saying? There's no words. Are there any words coming out over here? There's no words over here? He says, you don't understand. You don't understand. You could see and you could feel. You have hands. you be able to touch things and know what they feel like, hot, cold. His hands, you have to understand they're in fetal position. Their hands are up like in their ears. Right. What hands? They don't have hands. They don't see hands. They can't put their hands out. They're in like this. Like this. They look like this. Right? And you're telling me that we have hands and we can feel things and touch things and pick berries off the tree, right? You crazy? These things squished to my face? You can't use them. And we have legs. We can run. We can walk. We can climb. The guy's like, what are you smoking? There's no smoking in the womb. What are you? What are you doing? What are you talking about? You're crazy. This is the whole life squished, humid, fat, smelly. Ugh, fat. Forget about it. He's like drinking and eating and smelling and singing and dancing and he's telling all these says bubba mices and more bubba mices and more bubba mices. I'm telling you, I don't know who's feeding you this junk. Nine months, we die. Okay. So, you got two twins. One saying, wow, it's going to be amazing when we get out of here. The other one is like, wow, it's amazing that we're in here because the minute we get out of here, we're dead. Nine months. It's a beautiful Geshachayim. Because I'm like, you know, my head, I'm imagining the two babies in the womb talking to each other. Okay? Comes nine months. And all of a sudden, the contractions start. 
right? What are the contractions? They squeeze and push the babies out of the womb. Now they're twins. So guess who's going first? Who's going first? The guy that, no, the guy that believes that there's got to be more to life than what's going on in here, right? So when the labor begins, the guy says, we better say vidoy, because now life is over, he tells his brother. I told you this is going to happen, the Machamovus is here. He's squeezing us to death. The other one's like, Baruch Hashem, I'm getting squeezed out of this hole, and I'm coming into the world, I'm going to be able to use all my avarim, all my limbs. So you have Mamish, two different things going on here, and this guy starts to get squeezed and squeezed, and all of a sudden he's getting pushed out, and the doctor's hand goes in to pull the baby out, and he's like, the angel of death is taking my brother! Right? And he's holding on to the umbilical cord. He doesn't want to let him go! My brother! And all of a sudden his hand comes in and cuts the umbilical cord! He's like, that's it. And now his brother's out of the womb. What's the first thing this guy hears in the, from the womb? Screaming. 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 Ah! I knew it! He's dead! He died! They're killing him! I knew it! All his stories, ear, food, walking and running. Idiot! Should have stayed in here with me. What's the rush? <coughs> he hears his brother's crying. So, he doesn't want to get out of the womb. Doesn't want to leave. Doesn't want to die. He doesn't come out. What happens if he doesn't come out? He puts the umbilical cord. And he tries to hold on to it. He tries to stay in there. And he wants to make sure they can't pull him out. So he wraps it around his neck. To make sure he doesn't get pulled out. But the doctor has to pull him out. And as the doctor pulls him out, he chokes him to death and he dies. So one baby makes it. The other baby dies in the womb. Stillborn. He never gets to see the world. He dies in the womb where he thought life was. And the other babies in the warmer, screaming, turning pink, and breathing and smelling and feeling and a little bit seeing. They don't see really well. And he's waiting for his brother to come, but his brother never comes. Ay, 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 says the Gesher, what a naivitik, one of the most naivitik stories I've ever read in my life. He says, in this world, there's a machlekes between two kinds of people. One says, this is what it's all about. Movies, music, a good piece of steak, fancy car, money, big house. This is it! This is life! This is it! After 120 years, you die, and you have nothing. It's over a black hole. They put you in the ground. Shalom Aleichem. Bye-bye. So let's enjoy the life in the womb. This is the womb. Let's enjoy. Give me a, give me a, a, a sitter. Please. What? One baby said I can't. One baby said I can't. One that I want. Right, but one never got to see. That's what he looked like. So this whole thing, the Geshe Chaim is saying, because he's, he's, he's a book, a safer about death. 
what he's saying is that you're first born when you die. When you die, you go into the next world. That's, you're born. This world is nothing. So he's trying, he's trying to give us chizuk. So he's saying, so the people, so they're, 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 the people are crying because the guy died and they're like trying to, like he died, that's it, he has nothing, he's finished, he's over. Right? What we had was something. Meanwhile, it says when a person dies, he sees from one end of the earth to the other, much more than a person could see. He hears, he sees much more than a person can hear. So he's trying to say, we're the two kids. One kid says, stay here on earth, have a good time, party, do whatever you have to, because that's it. And the other one says, no, it's the next world that counts. This is nothing. This is just the, this is the womb. This is nothing. So he can't wait to get out of this world at Sadiq and go into the Oilohah and the Yeshiva Shomayla and everything else. And the other one's saying, you see, I was right. You're dead. They're putting you into the ground. You see, I was right. You see, I was right. I don't want to leave. So then he doesn't do, he does, doesn't do tshuva. He does have his whole life. And he talk die. He, he spiritually dies. The other one's spiritually alive and he's in the Oilohah and Ganadin. The other one's spiritually dead. It's a Nebuchadnezzar. So, but it's all it's all in Pekiyavos, and we just started Pekiyavos. So I can tell you Pekiyavos, right? I hope you're all learning Pekiyavos now. Last week was was one. So there's two missions that Mamish talk about this. Let's see what it says here, and that's where he gets it from. He says the following. He says the following. Oi Hashem, oi Hashem. Oi, so many people think this is what it's all about. Oi, this is not what it's all about. I think you know the truth. They just... No, 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 you're dead. They, you put someone in the ground. They think, that's it, he's in the ground. There's nothing left. I was right. He was wrong. He thought the next world. There's no next world. I'd be cursing. Okay. Says the following. Well, one mission says the following. Hold on. I know it's the end. Al dehidad, kol chalim ma'ay la'zur shmonat siva, matar, matar, matzot, chazet, matzot. I know it's at the end, 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 I mean, Lazar Kappas said, you listening? Hayuladim Lomos. You're born to to die. Once you're born, every day you're closer to death. Person's born to die. The Hamesim, people die, Lichyais, to live. That's, that's, that's his whole, that's his whole thing. Rachaim laid down, and the living will be judged. In order that they know and teach and become aware that Akash Bahu is the God, who are Yaitse, he's the fashioner, who are Bayri, he's the creator, who are Maven, he understands, who are Dayan, he's the judge, who are aid, he's the witness, who Baldin, he's the plaintiff, who Asid Ladun, he's going to be the judge. Or who blessed is he, Sha'in Lafar of Layavla. You cannot 
you, there's no inquity, uh, they call it. He won't forget anything. upon him. There's no favoritism. He doesn't take bribes. Everything's his. What you're going to bribe? You're going to bribe? You're going to bribe the judge with something that belongs to him? That's not a bribe. Everything's his. you should know. Everything is according to a cheshbon. Don't let your, the Yetzirah tell you that the grave, this is part of this, don't let the Yetzirah tell you that the grave will be your escape. This guy thinks that once you're out of the womb, right, you're dead. It's over. So I'm not going to get punished for anything I did. Right? I'm dead. It's over. No, says the mission. It ain't over. Don't think that death is going to help you escape. For against your will you were created. And against your will you were born. And you're living, right? And you're not going to have a choice when you die. And, and you're going to be forced one day to, to give cheshmer for Hashem. So what he's saying here is that, there's always a saying that when a person is born, when a person is born, the baby cries and everyone else is happy. Right? Because the baby knows it's crying because it knows it's not going into a world where it could do a lot of avarice. And it could get into a lot of trouble. So it's crying. The people don't realize that. So they're clapping. When a person dies, everybody's crying. But the mace is laughing if he did what he was supposed to. Because he knows now I can't fall anymore. I'm, I'm done. I, I left, you know, I left the world with, with believing in Hashem and praising Hashem. And that's why they do the, everything before a person dies. They do that whole thing. Now, where else does it, where does it say that this world, that this world is the, 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 the gateway? Rav Yaakov Oymer, Mishnah Chafalov. Rav Yaakov said, Ha'aylam hazeh, the womb, this world is the womb. Doymer lepoizdeh b'nei olam haba is the lobby, the lobby of the hotel, the lobby of the house, before Elam Hava. Haskin asked if you straight yourself up in the lobby, they should cut us a track, and then you could go into the banquet hall. The very famous story, the very famous story about a king who sent out a message that he's making a surprise party, huge, major party, for all the people in the country. But, the rule is, come to the party, you have to be dressed Shabbos day. You can't come to the party of the king in your farm clothing. You have to be dressed Shabbos day. Okay? He didn't say when the party is. So, most of the people said, well, I'm not going to go stand in front of the palace dressed like the, you know, Shabbos day, and wait, and wait, and wait. Uh, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to go to the field, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to bus drive, whatever I'm doing, do my work. And when they, the king announces when he's going to do it, I'll get dressed. That's not what the king did. All of a sudden, the king said, now, the party's now. They opened the gates. So, whoever was standing by the gates, who was dressed Shabbos day, went in. And then they closed the gates. And they said, whoever wasn't dressed has to come to the party and be the waiters. So the smart people understood that you never know when the king's going to open the door. I want to be at that party. 
So I'm going to stand dressed and I'm going to wait till he opens the door. Maybe a year, maybe. So he, he says, I think it's also maybe in the Gershah Chaim, he says, a person doesn't know when he's going to die. So you're like, when I get sick and I know they're going to tell me I have 30 days left, I'm going to start doing tshuva, I'm going to clean up myself, I'm going to say Shema Yisrael, I'm going to say Vidoy, and then I'll be able to go to Elam Hava. No, 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 says the no. He says, all of a sudden that door opens up. You don't, a person doesn't know when they're going to die. And if you're not ready, you're not going to have time to get ready. So that's what the Misha says. The Misha says, prepare, prepare yourself in the lobby so that when the time comes, you don't have time to get dressed and to get ready. That you're on the level that you did tshuva already. That's why a person has to do tshuva chol yayim and chol ace because all the time because he doesn't know when that last second will be. It could be a second that you didn't expect and then you you didn't get time to do tshuva. So a fool is the one that's the, that's going to work in the farm and the king opens the door, he's, he's not going to make it because he doesn't have time to make it. Since a person doesn't know when they're going to die, most of the time a person doesn't know when they're going to die, therefore he has to, he has to, he has to prepare, says the Mishnah, in the lobby. So whenever that door opens, he's dressed. Yes. Now we want to end tonight. We don't want to ever end. It's a ridiculous story. It's this week's Haftarah. One of my most favorite Haftarahs in the whole world. It's an amazing, fascinating Haftarah. So I want to learn it with you, and I want to teach you the lesson of this Haftarah. So, this week's Pasha is... What? Metzairah. Mulein Metzairah. Before I get to the Haftarah, such an important lesson connected to... We said in Shemini that first, there's always a kosher simon. Every Jew has a kosher simon. And that's the simon you should be focused on, not the trefer simon. So it says the following, by the Kayan. It says the following... I think it's in Tazria. Yeah, it's in Tazria. Listen to this. Pasuk Gimel, Perak Yud Gimel. Especially for us, the Kahanim. Pasuk Gimel. The Ra'a Koyinus HaNega. And the Koyin sees the Nega. The Koyin sees the affliction, the Tzaras. Ba'or HaBasar, in the skin, the and the skin turned, the hair in the nega turned white, and it looks three-dimensional, it looks like it's underneath the skin, thank you, it's and the coin will see it, and I'll make it tell my baruch Here's the question, it says, in the beginning of the passage, baruch and the coin saw the nega. And then at the end of the past, the same part, it says, Uray Akain. And the coin saw. The and he made him tummy. You already told me he saw. In the beginning of the passage, you told me he saw. Right? Good cash. Teretz is amazing. Teretz is. And we're teaching the coin. You can never make a Jew tummy on the first look. You always have to take a second look. One look doesn't make. So when it comes to judging a Jew, when it comes to looking at a Jew, 
the first time you see him, no matter what she looks like, no matter what they're doing, right? You cannot say they're Tomei until you look twice. You can't make a decision and make another Jew Tomei. Even the Kayan cannot make another Jew Tomei. He has to look twice. Even though he knows he's an expert, he looks at it for, oh, that's, 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 that's Saras. No. No, look again. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you saw something wrong. Benefit of the doubt for another Jew. Very important lesson. And it gets much deeper. And this is, this is fascinating. Fascinating. It's very deep. You have to, it's very short, but whoever's listening to the share tonight, this is the most important thing I'm going to say tonight. By far. If you don't want to listen after this and you want to close it, you can close it. No, don't close it. But if you don't want to listen, this is the most important thing that I could tell you tonight. Even though the story with, with the story in the Haftarah is amazing, but this is such an important point. The Kayan looks the first time he looks at it. There's no question it's Saras. And he's like, hmm. And the young man says, by the way, I, I just want to tell you something. And the client says, yeah, sure, before I look again, what do you, what do you want to tell me? Um, I got married two nights ago. I'm in the middle of my Sheva Brachas. Really? Yeah, I'm like in the middle of my Sheva Brachas. This could be pretty upsetting. The client says, oh, that's Tahar. Or he doesn't look again. What? No, he doesn't look. Or he doesn't look again. Just that's it. Either way, the guy's not tar. He's tummy. He's tummy. He has saras. The Torah is teaching us here that shalom bias is bigger than anything. He has saras. He's Tomei. He has to bring Korbanos. He's got to do a whole bunch of stuff. No. It's Sheva Rachas. You cannot make him Tomei. That's how much Hashem cares about the Shalom bias of an Ishla Ishtai. If Hashem cares so much that even though there's no Shaila, this guy's Tomei. It's not, it's not a question. And the client is not allowed to say anything. Surely we, as husbands and wives, have to take our shalom bias very seriously. What? Who says what? Talachim in Shochanach. Yeah, Talachim in the middle of Shabbat Brachas. You're not allowed to make him tell me. Saras, he's out of the machine. He, she can't see him even. No, she can't touch him at that point. But that has nothing to do with touching. She is over. If he makes him tummy, that's it. It's over. It's done. It just shows you the chashivas of shalom bayis. So, so if Hashem takes it that seriously, how can we not? He's willing to. So there's machleik. Whether he says tar or not, because that's even deeper. If he says tar, it's like he's 
tahor because of shalom bayis. It's like it's like no, it's like the 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 actuality of the thing changed. If I don't say anything, okay. If I say it's tar, something's tummy, and I'm saying it's kosher. Which goes into the whole thing of, let's say someone's dying and they need to eat non-kosher food. Is that non-kosher food with a heter? Or it's not non-kosher food because it's to save his life? The whole thing on Shabbos. That's the whole, that's the whole big pilpul on Shabbos by Bris. Bris is doicha Shabbos. Doicha Shabbos means it pushes Shabbos away, but it's still Shabbos. Or it's not a, it's not a chil of Shabbos. It's chil of Shabbos with a heter, or it's not a chil of Shabbos. It's not a chil of Shabbos at all. No, what? It's doich Shabbos. What does doich Shabbos mean? It means you're supposed to do it with the Right. So I have a friend that just had a baby on Shabbos, but it was Caesarean, and therefore they don't do the bris on Shabbos. I don't know why. I have to look up why. No, they don't. She made it on Sunday. Did it on Sunday. A Caesarean born on Shabbos is not Deich Shabbos, the bris. My bris But you were at the Caesarean. A Caesarean. And they cut the baby out. That's, 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 that's Pidyan Aben. So I asked my brother, Leazar, he said it's a Xeris Akasov. Doesn't have a reason. Xeris Akasov. She had a baby, but it was born Caesarean on Shabbos. So I said, okay, what's the difference? It was born anyway, right? It's not a pidyon Aben. No, Allahi is that there's a custom. If it didn't come naturally, so they made the bris on Sunday. They were very happy. They wanted to make it much easier. They did bris on Sunday. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, such a, it's such a it's such a mind-blowing thing that, oh, you're in the new Shabbos? Oh, okay, bye. I spoke Lashon Hara. I, you got it. You... It's like you didn't. It's not like you didn't get it because you're in the middle of Shavuot Rachas. It's like you got the Taras, You spoke Lashon Hara. You should be outside the Machana. No, 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 no. We're not messing with you. With you, we're not messing with you. What's it called? With your Shalom Bayis. So we, as human beings, should be like, if Hashem takes it that seriously, how could I not? He goes back like nothing happened. Back Shavuot Rachas the next night with the band, with the music, with everything. Guys, Taras, right? No, doesn't matter. Godless. What I, it's, it's so important. Okay, now if you want to turn off, that's, you can turn off. But if, you, if you're married and you take this, this lesson, that if you have tzaras, Hashem says, no, you don't have tzaras because you have to be with her. You're married to her, you have to be with her. All right? Okay, now let's do the Haftarah. The is amazing. What a crazy story. Haftarah's story is a crazy story, but it's such a lesson I want to learn from this, and then I'll let you go without Marv. Well, whatever, you go without Marv. There were four men who had saras, and they were outside the gate. Okay? Why we're going to sit there outside the gate? They had leprosy. We're going to die here. We don't have any food. We don't have anything. We're going to die here. No, because the, the city was under siege, and there was no food in the city. They were under siege. We'll, we'll learn soon about who, but they were under siege. Everybody was dying in the city, pretty much. There was no food. So they're like, we're sitting outside the city because we're at Tehran. They didn't let us into the city because they had leprosy. What are we sitting here for? Here we're going to die for sure. There's no food. Okay. If we're going to say, what are we sitting out here? Let's go into the city. But There's a famine in the city. We'll die there. And if we're going to sit out here, we're going to die also. 
They were being surrounded by the camp of Aram. They were at war. Let's go to them. If they'll give us to eat, right? The enemy will give us to eat. We'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. Better to die by getting killed than by starvation. So let's go take a gamble. Okay? Right? Makes sense what they're saying. They stood up in the evening to go ask them for food, to go to the enemy. They come to the enemy camp with a huge army. There's no one there. It's empty. It's vacant. Why was there no one there? They didn't know this. But Hashem made crazy sounds. And the, the, the camp of Aram heard horses and chariots and soldiers they said, we know it's not the Jews, they're stuck in the city, right? So what's all this noise that we hear? The Jews hired mercenaries. And they hired Chitim and Mitzrayim. So the whole Egyptian army and the whole Chite army are coming after us. So the soldiers in Aram panicked. Right? They knew it wasn't the Jews, we were locked up in the city. So in the evening they got up and they ran away. They left their tents. They were so panicked, they left their tents. And their horses. And their donkeys. They left it the way it was. They didn't even take their horses. They ran for their lives. They thought they were being attacked. Now, could you imagine? Can you imagine these chevra, these four guys? They come to the camp. And they're like, this is a trap. This is definitely a trap. Right? Why would, why would there be nobody here? But they're hungry. They don't care if it's a trap. Cut my head off. But I'm going to get eat. They came to the edge of the machina. And they went, they said, you know what? Let's go to the first tent. Let's, you know, it's a trap. Let's try the first tent. They ate. They drank. They looted them. They took silver. They, this is a chevra. They took silver. They took gold. They took clothing. They went ahead and they hid all the gold and silver. Right? They didn't want anyone to know what they found. They came to the next tent. They did it again. So what did they say? One said to his fellow, we are not acting properly. Today is a day of good news, yet we remain silent. In other words, they're doing all this, but they're not telling Klyestro who's stuck in this city starving what's going on. Right? That's not nice. So, if we wait until the light of dawn, it, it will be right. We're going to let all these people starve all the time. We need to go. So, let's go back to the city and tell the, tell the Klai Yisrael that uh, there's a lot of food here and these guys are not around. So they came to the gate of the city. Now, if you remember, the Jews are under siege. They're not moving. When they came to the gate, and they said to the Jews, we, we came to this Camp of Aram, there's no one there, there's no voices, there's nobody. Also, the, the horses are tied up, the donkeys are tied up, and the tents are the way they were. So they went to tell the king, and um, what's going on? He got up. He said, I know, what to, I know what's going on here. Aram knows that we're starving. We're going to go into the field. 
right? Ki yitzim and we're going to leave the city. And then when we leave the city, they're going to capture us. It's a trap. King said, this is a trap. So one of his servants said to him, okay, let's check it out if it's a trap. He said, let's take five of the horses that are still there, right? And let's see what happens. Okay, so they went to check it out. He sent two spies to go see, is this a trap or not? You know, let's bring the trap. So the spies went and they, they tracked the army of, of uh, the army that ran away from the camp, their camp until the Jordan River. And they, like, much like the war, the Six Day War, there were boots and shoes and clothing all over the derech. They were running and dropping all their stuff to run. And they said to the king, this doesn't look like a trap. Why would they take their clothing off if it was a trap? And they went out. And they came to the Machna Aram and they, they bootied it. They took it all. And what happened? Because there was so much food, two set of barley will cost a shekel and a set of fine flour will cost a shekel. It, it, the food was very cheap because it was so much food. Now, an interesting thing happened. You have to know this whole story. So there was a man that was in charge by the gate, and when the people heard free food, free gold, free everything, they trampled him to death. Why did he deserve to be trampled to death? Why did he deserve to be trampled to death, this guy? Because this is what happened. The Navi, the Navi came, the Navi came when they were starving. They had no food. The Navi came and said, don't worry, you'll be a miracle. That flour, fine flour, will be so cheap in the city because there'll be so much flour. Now, he, the Navi said that when they had nothing, Right? So when the when the Navi said to the king, so you'll be able to get that much barley for a shekel, and a shekel, right? The Navi said the day before, tomorrow, right, flour is going to be mamish worthless. Which sounded ridiculous, because they had no flour. So it sounded what the Navi was saying was totally ridiculous. What are you saying? Right now, I would give a million dollars for one one cup of flour, and you're telling me that a pound of flour is going to be a penny. Ridiculous. So this man who got trampled said to the to the Navi, he said, if Hashem were to make windows in the sky, could such a thing happen? In other words, you're ridiculous, Navi. What you're saying is ridiculous. God can't do such a big miracle. Right now we have no food, and you're telling me tomorrow morning we're gonna be not we're gonna be paying a penny for not for a whole thing of flour. So the Navi said, So you don't believe my Navius? You don't believe the capability of Hashem? 
He said, you will see it happen, but you will never get to eat from it. You will see it happen, but you'll never get to eat from it. He saw it happen. And he saw everybody running to get the free flower. And they traveled on him and he died. You hear? It's the prophet Elisha. The prophet, the Navi Elisha, told Yehoram that a miracle would occur that the next day That the next day, food would be so plentiful that it would be bought for an unbelievable low price. One of the king's courtiers ridiculed Elisha, saying that even Hashem could not do such a thing like that. Elisha said, you're a heretic. You will see it come true, but you won't benefit. One can well imagine that the impudent curator found the new prophecy to be as in... But the Torah tells us how the prophecy was fulfilled. So he says here that even the king, the king also wasn't good. Even the king, when he first heard from the four Mitzrayim that the place was empty and the miracle that happened, he said, no, I don't believe it, it's a trap. He also didn't believe in it. Only when they, when they sent the two people to check it out, that, that's after that he believed. He also didn't have the Amunah. But my point that I want to say from this story is, is okay, that's, that's the Navi, and the reason that we read this Haftarah is because the four of them were Mitzrayim. They had Tzaraz, Pash Mitzrayim. But I want to say something from this Haftarah. Every year that they learn, that they lay this, it gives me like the craziest chizik. At the same time that the Haftarah is talking about these four Tzaraim, number one, I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but I'm going to make a comparison. In this story, the four people who had Saras, who were suffering outside the gate, as bad as they were, they were they were Tzaram, they were thrown out of the, the city. They were the shluchim of Hashem to tell the Jews what happened. Otherwise, they would have been sitting in that city forever thinking that they're waiting outside. They probably would have, maybe would have died. There was no way to know that these guys ran away unless the Mitzurah went. So it goes back into what I was talking about this Simon in the beginning of this year. Even Mitzurah, even people who have leprosy, who are chutz l'machana, can save Klai In other words, even from the lowest place, from Mitzurayim, who were outside the Machina, not right? From the lowest place. People walk around, they think that they're, 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 they're not good Jews, and they think they're Mitzurayim. They think they're, they have Tzaras. I have girls that, you know, they don't feel that they're part of Klaishro because they dress different, they look different. But the, 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 the Haftar is showing us that from these people who, with desperation, they only went there because like, to die. They thought they're going to die. They're going to shoot us. But I don't want to starve to death. It's a slow death. I want a fast death. So they, they gave up on life. It was the end. It was over. It was on the lowest part. They had Taras. They're going to die. They're starving. There's no use staying there. They're going to die there. They're going to die there. They just picked the place where they're going to die. And from them came the Yeshua. From the lowest part of desperation. It gives me such a scissor. They were the lowest part of their life. They were 
outside the Machaneh, unaccepted, Tomei, starving, dead. They were going pretty much to die. And from them came the Yeshua. Not from the king, not from the big people, not, not, from, not even from the Navi. Navi said what's going to happen, but he didn't say how it's going to happen. The lowest place came the saving. And I think that's a lesson for all of us that we don't have Mitzurah, but even the people who you think, you know, they're lost, they're outcasts, they're, they're, they're atheists, they're Jewish atheists, whatever they are, they're, they're kids at risk, whatever you want to look at them and you look at them, like they have Tzuras, they don't come to shul and they're smoking on Shabbos. And, oh, look at these guys, they're so, right? But from the story, we see that they saved our lives. At the bottom of the bottom of the pit where they were giving up hope and they were dying and they were going pretty much to die. But they figured like, what the heck? Why should I die slow? Let me die fast. From them came this Yeshua. Number one. Number two, Yeshua, and I think that's the main point of this Haftarah, is Keherifayin. It's the second. Today, we don't have food. We're in the worst place. A grain, of, a grain of flowers worth who knows how much money, and comes to Navi and says, listen to me, God can do anything. Tomorrow, all of you guys, you're starving, tomorrow you're going to have so much flour, so much food, you won't be able to sell it for anything, because everyone's going to have it. There was only one, everyone who's listening to this share, there was only one Jew that laughed. Of all the people that were there, and they were at the lowest point. They had no food. It looked like Hashem gave up on them. The Navi tells us, and we read this in the Haftarah, there's one heretic. One guy said, if God opens windows in Shemayim, he can't do it. Just one. So listen to us. At that time, and it wasn't the greatest time for the Jews at all, in belief of Hashem, but at that time, they were starving it looked like life was over. It looked like they lost. It looked like it was over. And another gets up and says that tomorrow, not only you're not going to be starving, but you're going to have so much food that you're not going to be willing to pay one penny. And only one Jew left. One. And his Mida Kinegamida was, you are not going to see the Yeshua. So my statement to everyone listening tonight is the Jews that don't believe Mashiach is going to come are going to end up with the same faith. The Navi said, if you don't believe that Hashem can do this, not Hashem is going to kill you and you won't see the Yeshua. You'll see the Yeshua and you won't be able to be, get any Hanar from it. You'll see Mashiach, you'll see the Jews be saved and you won't be part of it. That's the Mida Kinegamida. At that time, one Jew, just one, to show you the level of Amuna of the Jewish nation even at that time. No one else laughed. The Navi Elisha said something. Nobody laughed. Just one guy laughed. He said, the Navi said, not you're going to die and you won't get to see it. No, no, no. You're going to get to see it, but you're not going to be part of it. Chas Shalom, person who doesn't believe in Chaye Olam Haba, he believes like the little baby that says the whole thing is the womb, this is it. No Mashiach, no Tchiesa Mason, no Olam Haba. That baby is going to see Olam Haba, but he won't be a part of it. That baby is going to see Mashiach, but he won't be part of it. He's going to die with the cord wrapped around his neck. 
he's not going to have the chance to see it. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a chidah about this also. So I think the lesson from this Mitzayah is, number one, that as bad as the Mitzayah was, they were the ones who saved Klayashol. But second, the most important is, at the end of the day, just like a day they were starving, the next day they had more food than they know what to do with, we're in Gullus and we have cancer, people have cancer, and people have Shalom Bayes problems, and people have unhealthy stuff, and people have divorces, and people don't have children, and the shit of crisis. And you need to know that all these crises, all these crises, in one second, there's no crisis at all. And that's what Alicia said. One second, there's no more starvation, just the opposite. There's so much food, you're not even going to want it anymore. Hashem has that kayach. And anyone who doesn't believe Hashem has that kayach won't be part of that kayach. May we all be zoicha to have a moon and a Kurdish baruchu for this haftarah. We have a moon and a Kurdish baruchu and a moon in Klai Yisrael. And remember the beginning of the shir. That the end of the shir is that a Mitzayra can bring saving to Klai Yisrael. And the beginning of the shir is that even if there's a, there's a tray for part of the person, of the animal, the Torah tells us it's kosher part first. First, the camel chooses cut. So a Jew, even if he has, this is the opposite of what I said last week. The Jew, even though he has a tray for part, the Torah says, look at his kosher part first. Focus on his kosher part first. And that's why by all the four animals, it says the kosher part first. The opposite of what I said last week. It's two different tires. And, 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 and through the Amun of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and seeing the good in every single Jew, we should talk to see, just like this, just like this Haftarah, that it should change in one second. All the pain and everything should change in one second. It's not a trap. No traps. It's no traps. It should change in one second. We should all be, be zeichet to see the ge'ula. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.